0: Thank you for the lovely singing. Well, this morning, as you can gather, we're talking about love one another. And perhaps you're sitting there thinking, oh my goodness, we've had this down our throats for the last few weeks. We've been talking about loving one another and loving our neighbour. And you perhaps you think, well, golly, we, I think we know this one, Mary, Mary. Well, do you know what? I've got a big L plate on me on this one, and and um and I think you know that the Lord gave us this special commandment to love one another as I have loved you, and He gave it to us for a special reason because He knew that that was going to be the hardest thing to do, other than perhaps prayer. Prayer is also one of the things that Satan wants to make hard for us. So this morning I thought, you know, I'm going to go through John chapter 13 because the whole chapter speaks about um, loving one another and, and it's the context of why our Lord was telling us we need to love one another. So I thought, I can't just talk about those two verses. You've got to look at the whole chapter. So we're going to look at the whole chapter today and um, it's love one another and if we could just have the next one which is um, John thirteen one to 20 so I'm just going to read that to you now and we're just going to talk about that a bit and then go on now before the Passover feast began Jesus knew that the time had come for, leave to, for him to leave this world and return to the Father and as he had loved those who were, in he, who were his own in the world he loved them to the nth degree, it says in the Amplified Version. I'm reading from the Amplified Version. That's the NIV up there. And so it starts off with the Passover. And that was when the Lord Jesus had arrived in Jerusalem to go through what he knew he was going to go through. And you know, sometimes we forget that. We we think about the Lord Jesus coming to the Passover. But you know, he knew everything that was going to happen to him he knew he was going to be betrayed he knew that Peter was going to deny him he knew that the disciples were going to all forsake him and run away he knew all that he knew he was going to be beaten and have a crown of thorns on his head and have to walk to the to to the crucifixion carrying his cross he knew that all and yet there he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast and this was his last night with his disciples and so it was a very special time and what he says now you know we just went recently to my brother's church my brother is uh, an Anglican minister and he's in at the moment he's just been doing a a, a stint in in quite a high Catholic church not a Catholic church Anglican church and, um, and there was times when they rang bells. <laughs> and I said to Pip afterwards, Pip, why do they ring the bells? And he said, well, from, from medieval times when people couldn't read and write and they're kind of saying, this is a very important thing, so listen to it. And it was when we were having Holy Communion and they rang the bells to say, this is the bread that was given for you this is God that was given for you and I thought oh that makes sense and so look I want to ring a bell this morning and say good old Baptist (laughs) let us take note this is very serious matter because it was when the Lord Jesus was having his final time with his disciples and he said having loved his own which were within the world he loved them unto the end And you know what, he wasn't just speaking about his disciples there and then. You know, he was looking down through the ages and he was thinking of all of us, all his disciples down through the ages. And he says, this is what I want to say to you before I go back to my father. And I'm going back to my father. They didn't understand. You know, the disciples had just been talking on the way to Jerusalem about who do you think will be the greatest among us? Who's going to get the left hand or the right hand when we sit in that kingdom? You know, they were really getting themselves all involved with that because they were expecting an earthly kingdom they had no understanding of what was going to happen and if we think we could laugh at that we can't because you know we have no really understanding of what's going to happen when the Lord comes again we have it all worked out some people think they've got it off pat but I tell you what God is going to surprise us all and, um, and as, my, as, as our son loves to say it'll all pan out all right in the end so I belong to the pan millennium so, <laughs> <laughs> so, so there they were at the Passover and he had something very special to say to them but you know verse 2 says so it was during supper Satan having already put the thought into Judas Iscariot's heart that he was going to betray Jesus the thought was already there. And, um, and that's a very sad thing in the middle of this. But do you know what? It reminds me that as we come to church each Sunday, we can sit in the pew, we can sing the songs even, we can listen and yet you know it doesn't go down there. It might be there. We might be very theologically well trained. We might have all the answers I don't know how you can do that but anyway uh, you might think you have all the answers but has it reached your heart and it hadn't reached Judas Iscariot's heart and he was getting frustrated and angry because the earthly kingdom hadn't happened and so he was, getting to, he was losing patience with the Lord and he was a thief and so he sat there during that supper and verse 3 says Jesus knowing that the father had got had put everything into his hands and it had come from God and was now returning to God, he got up from supper and taking a servant's towel, he fastened it around his waist, poured water into the washband and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with his towel. You know, there was the Lord Jesus doing that, but he was fully aware that the Father had given all authority into his hands. He knew, you know we read in Philippians um, chapter 2 verse 11 that um, you know, one day every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and that, and that because the Lord Jesus was willing to go to death God has made him above every name the name of Jesus above every name but here he was there with his disciples he knew all that, he knew all the power that his father had given him but what did he do? While his disciples were thinking, who's going to be the greatest, he got down on his knees to wash his disciples' feet. Now sometimes we wonder about this washing of the feet and we wonder, you know, what did he do it for? Was he trying to show the disciples up? No, of course he wasn't. He loved them. He loved them until the end. Why, why did he do it? He did it because, you see, he was handing on his ministry to his disciples. He was saying to them, I'm going to the cross. You will need to come to me and realise you need forgiveness, that you need my blood shed for you on that cross to save you from your sins. But then I want you to go out to a needy world. And yes, when you go out to that needy world, your hands will get grimy and your feet will get grimy. And every day you need to come to him for cleansing and so he was reminding his disciples just as he's reminding you and I that we need that cleansing from him each day if you're not getting your hands and feet dirty in this world there's something wrong because it's a very needy world out there and we need to get our hands grimy you know a lot of people say to me oh I just know that my church friends I don't have anyone else well get out there and make some Get there and know so that you can get your hands grimy so that you can come to the Lord Jesus. And, of course, even without going into the world, we get our hands grimy because we we fail, don't we? We sin. We do things that are wrong. So we need to come for cleansing to the Lord Jesus. So the Lord Jesus came and, and of course, Peter, he says, Lord, are my feet to be washed by you? And, um, and, and you're not going to wash my feet but Jesus said you don't understand now what I'm doing but you will understand later on and you know I think that verse is lovely you do not understand what I'm doing but you'll understand later on there are lots of things that we don't understand what Jesus is doing there are lots of things that we don't understand in this world And the disciples were confused and the Lord Jesus knew that in the next couple of days they'd become more confused. But he's saying, you don't understand now but you'll know later. And he says that to us too, you know. I go to the hospital each week and people say to me things and they say, why why does this God allow these things to happen? And I answer truthfully. I say, I do not know. But I do know. I can tell you what I do know. I know that God loves you and that he cares about what you're going through. And that is what is what we need to know because one day we'll know it all. When we get to heaven, we'll know. And perhaps even later in our life, we'll know why some things have happened to us in our life. But sometimes it's a mystery. And so, like, so Jesus says, you don't understand now, but trust me anyway. Peter said you'll never wash my feet but Jesus answered unless I wash you you have no part with me and that's the thing we need we need to be washed clean by the Lord Jesus to have to be part of him and that's what we're doing in KYB at the moment about um, about Ephesians where we um, the Lord all through Ephesians it's that you're in him and um, and and it's so lovely to feel that intimacy that the Lord Jesus wants us to be in Him, sheltered by Him, cared by Him, loved by Him. So of course Simon Peter says, not, "Not only in my feet, but my hands and my fe- hands and my face too." But it didn't need all, all that washing. Um, and, and Jesus said, but I know that, that, you're, that I want to make you all clean, but there's one here who's not clean. Or there's, and that, of course, was Judas. All through this chapter, Jesus keeps alluding to Judas. Why? To try and change Judas from, from Satan just tempting him to say, hey, come on, be my disciple. Follow me. Follow me while I go to the cross. And um, so when he finished washing their feet and put on his garments and sat down again, he said, do you understand what I've done for you? You call me teacher and Lord and you're right in doing so for that is what I am. If I then your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, it's your duty to wash one another's feet. For I have given you this an example so that you have done what I've done to you. I assure you most solemnly I tell you a servant is not greater than his master and no one who is sent is superior to the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you practice them. Now there you go. That's what the Lord Jesus asks us to do. To care for one another. To wash one another's feet. To humbly serve each other. And we're to start off in the church. Because if we can't do it with the people that we love in the church, how can we do it to a world outside? So we need to be loving to one another in the church. And then he says, and blessed are you if you do it. He's giving us a blessing if we do it. So you see, it's all, um, it's the Lord Jesus never, he's no man's debtor. He always gives us more than we can ever give back to him. And then he goes on and says, I am not speaking and I do not I know whom I've chosen, but this is what the scripture may be fulfilled. He who eats my bread with me has raised up his heel against me. Again he's talking about Judas and that comes from Psalm forty one nine and he's just repeating that. He he wanted Judas to be his friend, but he knew that he was going to betray him. There's just a little picture next one of um the Lord Jesus washing, he shows his love in action and we're to show our love in action as well to our brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ and how can we help one another and, and humbly serve one another. Then he goes on and, um, and I think we'll go across now to um, yeah, chapter 21 to 30. Um, and, and This is where Jesus shows his love for Judas Iscariot. And Judas Iscariot sadly doesn't, doesn't see the love that Jesus has for him. After Jesus had said these things, he was troubled and said, I assure you and most solemnly I tell you, one of you will deliver me up. The disciples kept looking at one another, puzzled as whom he could mean. And um, there's been lots and lots of artists who've tried to portray the, the disciples look of horror as they looked at each other as to who it could, the Lord Jesus meant by that. And of course the Lord Jesus knew it was Judas. And um, and Peter whispers to John, ask, ask the Lord who it is. And so John, the, the disciple who wrote this, leaning on Jesus' breast, asked him, and I think he asked him quietly, Who is it? And um, so Simon Peter motioned, him, then leaning back, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, it is the one to whom I'm going to give this bit of food after I've dipped it. So when he dipped the morsel of bread into the dish, he gave it to Judas, Simon Iscariot's son. And you know that when you dipped, apparently in those days, when you dipped a morsel into a dish and gave it to the person, you were showing a real act of friendship. It's a bit like at a a feast today when you toast somebody. Um, And so that's what the Lord Jesus was doing. He was showing Judas how much he loved him. He was troubled in spirit. the, The disciples could see that the Lord Jesus was sad and upset about something. And that's what he was sad and upset about. You know, the Lord Jesus could have been so upset about, how dare you, you know, you're going to betray me. But instead he was sad at what was going to happen to Judas because he knew what was going to happen to Judas. He knew that Judas was going to betray him. He knew that Judas was then going to be so remorseful and go out and kill himself. He knew all that and he wanted to stop it from happening. He said, I want you, I want you to be my own. But you know what it says then? It says then, after he'd taken the bit of food, Satan took possession of Judas. He wasn't just tempting him anymore, he took possession of him. And when we don't let the Lord Jesus take possession of us, then we're open to being very, very vulnerable to being taken possession of by Satan. Let's. Always make sure that we keep very close to the Lord Jesus. And so poor old Judas went out. Well, By that time the Lord knew that it was going to happen and he said, what you're going to do, do quickly. And he sent him out in, and it says, and it was night. The disciples didn't know what Jesus meant. They thought he was going to go out and pay for the meal or bring back some food for the meal or something. When he'd left, Jesus said, now is the Son of Man glorified. It was night. It said it was night. And, you know, it wasn't just physical night. It was spiritual night. It was spiritual night for Judas. And we don't want to have that spiritual night. And keep on praying for people that you know who you really love and you want them to come to know the Lord Jesus. We don't want them to go out into spiritual night just like Judas did. And, um, and, and now Jesus says, the Son of Man is glorified. It's as if it's a done thing. Well, he knew it was a done thing because he knew exactly what was going to happen now. He knew that Judas was going out to betray him and he knew that he was going to be taken into the hands of wicked men and taken to be crucified. But it was all for you and for me and for his disciples whom he loved. Now is the Son of Man glorified. Jesus was going to be glorified through the cross and there's glory in the cross because of what it means to you and I. And he says, and God has been glorified because he planned this all in advance. Right back in the beginning of time, God planned that this all would happen. And so he says, dear little children, and He's. Speaks so kindly and gently to his disciples um, I'm only here with you a little longer and you'll look for me and you won't be able to find me and they did didn't they on the day of the resurrection there they were all looking for him and, and, and wonder, wondering where the body had been taken and, um, and so Jesus says little children don't worry you're, um, you're not able to come where I'm going at the moment but you'll come later and then he says, we'll go to the new commandment. Now um, I give you this new commandment that you should love one another, just as I have loved you. Now, why is it a new commandment? It was back there in the Old Testament. Love your neighbour. You, no, love your neighbor, And you, we were told to, to love um, God and love our neighbour. Why was it a new commandment? Because the Lord Jesus says, that you should love one another just as I have loved you. That's the way you should love one another. What was the way he loved us? He went to the cross for us. He endured the pain and the suffering. He endured what none of us will ever have to endure. He endured separation from his father. You know, we never, we never have to endure that. Because um, in this life, we never have to, and, and we won't if we know the Lord Jesus, we'll never have to endure that. Separation from the Father because the penalty of sin went on the Lord Jesus' shoulders and God the Father turned away. And so we will never have to know that agony. But the Lord Jesus took it on himself for us. So Jesus says, Love one another as I have loved you. And start off here in the church. And you know, there's a a little thing that I wrote down that I thought a Christian writer once wrote, loving people is the most difficult thing some of us can do. We can be patient with people and even just and charitable, but how are we supposed to conjure up in our hearts New Testament love? Some people are so miserably unlovable. (laughs) And perhaps we saw that from the video. You know, they saw the people in the church and they're all talking, you know, what about him? And you know, as Christians, we can become very critical of one another. It's a sin that we're so good at, at, being critical of one another. And really, she's not as good as me because she does such and such, or he's not as good as somebody else because he does such and such. You know, we, we, I love that verse. It says, Be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. Make allowances for one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. We don't walk in that other person's shoes. We don't know what it's like to be that other person. So let's just gently love each other and care for one another. And you know, we can't do it ourselves. It's impossible. But when we know the Lord Jesus as our saviour and friend, only his love for us will stimulate and awaken in us the ability to love other people. His love is the cause of our love for others. His love is the measure of our love for others. And his love is the identifying mark of authentic love for one another. You know, in the early church there was a man called Tertullius Who came to love God he was a Roman and and an academic and a lawyer and a a son of a centurion and he came to know the Lord Jesus because he said see how these Christians love one another the Blackheath are they able to say see how these Christians love one another I do pray that we might be able to show as I said before I've got a big L sign on me I'm learning and, and, um, and so let's learn together. I love that story about Corrie Ten Boom that I think you probably know as well as I do about when she went from Ravensbrook and she started being a tramp for the Lord and going to different countries and she went to Germany. In, in 1947 she went to Germany and she went to Munich and she preached in a, in a, in a, in a big church in Munich And she taught uh, about what had happened to her and about Betsy and about her love for God. And then at the end of the congregation, she saw a man coming towards her and she suddenly felt all the pain that she felt in Ravensbrook because she she knew that man. That man had been one of the cruelest guards in Ravensbrook prison camp. And she saw him coming towards him, and so she fumbled in her purse as if she was looking for something. Because he held out his hand, and he said, "Oh, hello, sister." And he, he didn't remember who she was, but he said, um, "You know," he said, um, "I really, I really appreciated what you said in your talk today." But he said. Sister I, I've, since Raven, I, I, I was an officer in Ravensbrook, and she said oh thank goodness he doesn't remember me and he said um, I was a cruel officer but he said I have asked Jesus to forgive me for the sin that I committed there but sister he said I want to hear it from you will you forgive me too And she said, she looked at that hand outstretched and she said, God, I can't do it. My sister died at his hands. I can't do it. But then she said to God, well, God, you've got to do it for me. I guess I can put my hand out. And so she put her hand out and she said, as she put her hand out and touched the hand of that man, she said, an electric power went down her arm. And suddenly she couldn't just shake his hand, she had to hold his hand and say, of course I forgive you. It wasn't her forgiving him, it was the Lord Jesus through her forgiving him, the Holy Spirit. And you know that can happen to you too. And if you feel that you've got someone that you find really hard to cope with, I can't cope with that person, Lord. Ask the Lord Jesus to fill you with his love for that person and he will. And he will give you that electrifying power to hand out your love to that person through the Lord Jesus. Let us learn to love one another. Thank you.